Oh my God, you guys. We were just oh, complaining man. about reels and then we made ourselves make one and it was actually so fun. Yeah, anyone else feel we pressure to make reels? Yes, We honestly. were literally constipated. We're like, no. I know. And then we just made one and we we're It was easy. Great. <laughs> Whenever anything comes, I'm always like stressed. I'm like, ah. We just made, I mean, you got to check it out. It took four seconds. Right now. <laughs> it's the silliest thing ever. It's how to make a podcast and it's so silly. But I'm so glad that, you know, you just got to, got to just do it. Jump right in. Jump right in. I don't in. know if you've heard this, but you just got to jump right into life. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> hey, you know what? Actually, this is a good one. Okay, go first. That's oh. what our guest says. You guys, welcome to Almost 30. I'm so glad you're here. However you got here, I'm grateful for it. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your attention. And we're Truly. really excited about the episode. Go first. I told Gabby on our call, who's our guest today, but I wrote a blog post in 2012 from an interview she was on Tim Ferriss with about her motto about going first. Mm. And Tell it's me more really, about the blog post. Uh, it was terrible, probably. <laughs> um, but it was really just, and it just felt like it really resonated for me, the idea of going first. So with her idea of going first, it's like, say you're at a networking event or you're meeting a new person, always be the person to go first, to always say hi first, to extend your hand first, to be a leader. And just, if you want to make people feel comfortable, be the person that's going to go first. And I think that's such a powerful thing in life. Just like, don't wait for someone else to help you, support you. Always be the person to make the first move in whatever, if mm -hmm. it's something that you want or aligns with you. Yep. I should find that post, actually. I would love that. You guys, actually, this should be a huge <laughs> I would love to find my Zenga. Oh, yes. Or yes. like, you know, any of those where I was like writing feelings and thoughts. Because I, I wasn't a diary person. I didn't have like a diary per se, but I definitely wrote some stuff online. I had a diary for sure. I remember I was cheating on my boyfriend in high school and he found my diary. Oh. I know. And I was like talking about kissing someone else. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> I actually don't know if I, I need to find, I'll try and find that blog post and read it to you guys next time. But but yeah, we're really excited about this episode. It's going to be a great one. Gabby's um, just iconic. It's almost like, and it, we actually talk about it in this episode briefly, but if you don't know her, it's like kind of intimidating because totally. she's like, she is so good with boundaries, yes. with just like being very much in her own energy and it's refreshing and goals for me, but can be, I think to some people as like, whoo, it's intimidating, totally. but it's so powerful. So I refreshing. I love that about her. I love that about her. And I think her and Laird were on Joe Rogan or maybe she was on Joe Rogan and she talks about, you know, that dynamic too of her just being someone that really knows herself and being like super grounded and super like direct. I remember with her kids, I think it was on Joe or maybe it was on Tim Ferriss. She was talking about if her daughters are messing up or something, she's like very curt. She's just like, what are you doing? And you know, just like she doesn't baby them. She's very direct with them. And I find that so refreshing. Totally. Because it's treating them like an equal. Yes. You know, that e equality is really powerful. Um, but yeah, we're excited. We'll get into this episode soon. I want to talk about my pet psychic experience. Yes, let's go. This I is feel the like, psychic portion of our episode. Yeah, this is this is the psychic spirituality <laughs> portion of. <laughs> so as you guys know, I adopted two little baby kittens from Stray Cat Alliance here in Los Angeles, which I love and respect. And so far, my followers have adopted eight kittens. Oh, I love that. We're starting a little Stray Cat Alliance community within my um, within my followers. And so as soon as I got them, I knew I wanted to get a pet psychic just because it's hilarious and fun. Inspired by our dear friend, Jordan Younger of The Balance Blonde, who has been working with this pet psychic for her cat Hudson for years. And I'll never forget the pet psychic 
told Jordan that uh, one of the babysitters of Hudson was really boring. Hudson's the cat. So Hudson the cat was like, yeah, you know, she's really boring talking about these these babysitters for him. And so when I watched Hudson for Jordan, when Jordan was out of town a few weekends ago, I literally was like a circus because I was trying to not be boring. I was like doing cartwheels. I was like running around. I'm playing with him. I'm trying to not be boring the whole time. And Hudson has also said iconic things like, Miranda, the pet psychic came over because Hudson wasn't eating. And so she goes, you know, Hudson, you know, you need to be eating. It's really, you know, it's really worrying Jordan. And Hudson goes, hey, Miranda, you know, if you're here to tell me what to do, you can just leave. (laughs) Dude, how iconic. Oh, iconic. And so I was like, I need to have a pet psychic for my, my little crazy babies. So we have two two babies. One is a black one and one is a tabby and somehow they're sisters and the black one has a broken tail. She like has a kind of crinkled up tail. I don't know what happened, but she's definitely very masculine. She's like a little like whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll save you the details about my cats, but... So we have the pet psychic come and she's talking and we have a list of questions and the questions are like, do you like your food? Do you like us? Do you see us as mom and dad? Is there anything we could do to be better parents? Like all these things. I'll just, I'll say some of the funny ones. So we were like, do you like your names? Their names are Fuji from the Fujis and then Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda. And they're like, yeah, they said they like their names. They feel like they're part of the pack and they're part of the family when you call them by their names. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And I was like, do you, do they think of us as mom and dad? She's like, no. (laughs) She's like, but they do wonder why you don't have whiskers sometimes, which is hilarious. And then we were like, um, are they happy at the house? Is there anything we could do? And she's like, yes, they're very happy, but they're getting very curious about outside because they're indoor cats and we're in an apartment. And I was like, oh shoot, you know, we can't let them outside right now. Just where we live, it's not safe. So I was like, can you tell them that it's not safe where we live? And so she's like, you know, Fuji, Ugwe, it's not safe where you live. You guys can't go outside. And Ugwe goes, okay, I understand. You know, if it's not safe, I won't go outside. And Fuji goes, oh no. She's like, what the hell is this? She's like, I want to go outside. And we're like, okay, well, what can we tell her? We can't go outside. And sh- and she said that Fuji was like, I have an idea. And Miranda's like, okay, what's the idea? And Fuji's like, well, since he's less insecure about me going outside, we can go outside together. Talking about Justin. So basically Fuji was saying that my fiance is less insecure about going outside so they can go outside together. Like boys. Dude, they're so perceptive. Boys club. They're so perceptive. We were dying. And then we talked about food for a little bit, just like being super thoughtful about the food. What was the other thing? Oh yeah, about the bed. Cause they keep coming in the bed at night and this is like me having zero boundaries. And I was like, can you tell them, you know, to like let us sleep. And she's like, okay, you know, guys, you have to like let them sleep through the night. Humans need to sleep through the night. And Ugwe, the nice little sweet one goes, okay, but I have a few questions. She's like, how long? And she's like, well, till the light's off until the lights are on. And she's like, okay, what if I go to the bathroom and come back and what if I'm very quiet? And she's like, okay, well, you can be very quiet. And she's like, okay. So if I go to the bathroom, come back and be very quiet and I sleep at the end of the bed, is that okay? And she's like, yes, that's okay. She's like, okay, that sounds good. I agree. And so Ugwe agrees. Oh my God. So then she's like, Fuji, like you can't be coming in at night. Fuji's the one that's like all over me. Mm. And Fuji's like, Oh, what the hell? She, she kept saying, what the hell? Fuji's like, what the hell? And she's like, no, I, I, I love coming in the bed. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And she was like, you have to leave them alone. And Fuji's like, no, I'm not going to do it. She's like, you, 
you have to. They have to sleep. She's like, we'll figure out another way, but I have to do it. So Poojie was like, not down. It was just so funny. Like all the answers were just so hilarious. Some of the questions they didn't really, like they weren't with us long enough for. You know, I was like, is there anything we can do better in our relationship to be together? And, you know, they didn't really have that much of an answer. Mm. But if you have had a pet for a long time, you should definitely do it. They're so perceptive. I want to get it for my mom. Oh my gosh. With a little pup. Yeah. You have to. And it was just helpful too, like even to talk to someone about animal, just... Ethics, I guess, you know, because we were talking about moving eventually and I was going to ask them about moving. I'm like, would you be down to move? And she's like, you can't really ask them that because then they're going to be thinking about the move all the time. You have to tell them if you're confident that you're doing it. Got it. Because you don't want to confuse them. Okay. And then really about the food for cats too, just like having high quality food for them instead of like other different stuff. But the last question that we asked was so cute. We're like, is there anything more you could want? And they were like, what more? Or like, is there anything that we could do for you more? And they're like, what more could we want? Oh, we're so happy. I know. Dude. So how, so if you were to continue, obviously you like talk to them, you communicate with them, but was there something that you learned in working with Miranda that like, is there like a telepathy thing? Mm, Or is it, it? is it directly talking to them? Like what ways do they communicate? Is it like more telepathy? Telepathy. Okay. So they telepathically talk to one another and then they telepathically talk to her. Right. So she sets a prayer and intention after Mm. reviewing the questions and then she stares at their photos. (laughs) So were they like... They were just rolling around all over, like doing whatever they do. Got it. You could Like you couldn't tell. But yeah, she stares at a photo, reads your questions and then like tunes in. What's it been like? Like how's nighttime been? Different? Fuji's all over. (laughs) Oogie's hasn't, doesn't come in. It's funny. I think she was a little like insecure. Okay. But it's funny because now I know about the outside. So I'm completely aware that they want to go outside. So I'm like, okay, I have to be careful. Yeah. And now I just feel like I know their personalities more confirmed it for me, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I feel like then I can either telepathically try to communicate with them or make up what they're saying in my head. Yeah. Which is the latter is likely true. Honestly. <laughs> it's hilarious. Honestly. Gosh. Holy and I was talking holy. to my mom about the cats, like how with travel, last thing about my freaking cats. And I was like, you know, it's much harder now because we can't just like pick up and go anywhere. And she's like, well, you know, cats are good for like a week. And I'm like, dude, mom. We used to like, I'm like, that's not right. I'm like, dude, we had our cat. He probably left her for weeks. Like, what the heck? I mean, like you can't they leave are good for, for what? Long. Like a couple days? Maybe? I mean, they're good for as long as till they die, technically. Yeah, <laughs> Like, that's not the way to do it. I guess if they're eating like the wet food. Yes. You got to be. Wet food divas over here. Yeah. And now we're paying, dude, the wet food she recommended, very expensive. Oh, what kind of wet food? All Um, organic, like. Yeah. It's called Zeewee from New Zealand. Okay. It's like ethically sourced though, which is dope. You like look her up. She's like a a Zeewee like founder. (laughs) Honestly. That's like her whole gig. That's amazing though. She's like, they say they want more (laughs) Zeewee. She's like, they're asking for something particular. It's called (laughs) Zeewee. Dude, I went to a psychic over... uh, I'm going to that one Saturday. Oh. After therapy. Yeah, his name is... I guess I can say it, right? Mm -hmm. John Farahi, um, a friend of ours, our mutual friend of ours, went to him. And so... I usually it's actually by chance. I didn't really think about it, but usually around like birthday month, I'm like, mm, it's like time for a reading. It'd be like, you know, it's always just kind of like fun. And I really didn't know what to expect except from what our friend told us, which was like a lot of like very specific information that in normal readings that I've been in, it's 
it's not as like direct and specific. Yeah. So it almost, I was like kind of scared to go. I was like, what do I want to know and not want to mm-hmm. know? Does he know what I want to know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I show up and it's like this four story, like white building, but it's a po- it's, it looks like it's in a neighborhood where it would be a house, but it kind of looks like an apartment building. So I was kind of confused. So I'm like walking up these like different stairs and you have to walk all the way up to the fourth floor to get in the front door. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. It was like this big red door and he opens the door. And I mean, it is, you would not believe this from the outside. The outside is like fine and simple, but it's like this palace. Really? It is wild. There's like fountains and water, this and that and marble. It was, it was cool. I was like, this is fast. This is why I love LA. A hundred percent. You literally walk yes. into somewhere and you're like, where the fuck That's am New York I? too. I mean, anywhere in the world probably, but like, I do remember things True. like that in New York. You're like, what is this? It's, it was so weird, but cool. So we go into his office and he starts the reading. He's so kind, by the way, you just feel it right away. I'm like, oh, okay very kind and just warm. And he does like a numerology reading. And I'm not familiar with numerology, but this has made me like really, really interested in numerology and learning more about it and like Pythagoras and just how he formulated this. And so basically he does the numerology reading using your name, your date of birth. And I think that's it. And it was so incredibly accurate. For those of you that know numerology, I don't really, but I'm a three. And then there's like a lot of sevens in my numerological chart. My seven. Yeah, I know. I wonder. Sean? Sean is not a seven. He's... Oh, there's sevens in your own chart. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't know if there own. were people that you knew. Got it. Oh, no, no, no. It's like in my own chart. Sevens are like very service oriented, which makes sense with the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. And threes are like super creative and dynamic and need to be doing like a lot of different things, which makes sense. But anyway, we talk a a lot about, (laughs) it's like funny. It's one of those readings where he was like talking about other people in my life and coming eventually around to talking about me, but I was like kind of wanting more of me, but he's like your brother, your sister's Mm -hmm. like kind of going through the family, which was really sweet and nice and kind of gave some confirmations around, you know, just things that that they have been dealing with or just kind of mulling over. But it was really sweet. He was like, he was just talking about like Sean and our relationship. And he's like, he's like, he is sensitive and secure. Mm. He is like, you two are like, I don't know. I don't like to say soulmates, but you are like puzzle pieces. Mm. And it was just like very, very sweet. And he talked a lot about like almost 30 and just how, um, just how like, you know, strong it is. And, and it just like felt so, so good and so right. But yeah, it was, it was just interesting because I think I'm at like kind of a, and we're at like a season where, one, we've been to so many like readings and psychics yeah, and whatever. Zillion. And like at this point, when I go into these readings, I'm never told anything that I don't truly know. Facts. You know what I mean? And I, that's kind of what I want to say to people who are like thinking about ooh, maybe doing their first reading. It's like so much of it is just like reactivating that yeah. intuition and that knowing. Yeah. Or waking you up to it. Yeah. I think at the beginning though, when I had my, fir- my first real reading in Chicago, when she predicted my whole life to now, I literally was like, no. Mm. I had no idea. She predicted Justin. She predicted New York, all this stuff. And I was like, no. 
Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah, I, I said, no, I was like, that's not true. I don't like New York. I don't want to move to New York, all these things. And so I think mm. if you're consciously creating your life and hopefully we are, I think that is true. Yeah. But also in your 20s, it's so crazy. You don't know what's going on. You know, you're kind so. of, so who knows? But I, I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. It just, get, and it gave me some guidance with like family stuff too. I was like, just being it almost like strengthened the perception of like what's actually yes, happening with that's people. so true. Which was really nice. Yeah, strengthens your own intuition. Yes. So pet psychics, real psychics, we love them all. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Uh, I have a story highlight about my pet psychic experience. And then um, also I have references for other psychics on my Instagram too. If you guys want any good mediums or psychics. Yes. We're friends with all of them. Yes, truly. Yes. Yeah, we have a crew. We do, honestly. I feel like everyone I talk to is a psychic. Isn't it funny when we like hang out with our intuitive friends and we're like- Looking at them sideways. Yeah, we're like, so. I know, honestly. (laughs) We're like, do you want to tune in or? (laughs) Honestly, like, what's for dinner? You want to like tune in on it or? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm so excited about this one. I was really, really- um, inspired and just, I felt really energized after this conversation. I felt so good. You know, Lindsay and I were talking after just how inspiring Gabby is, how cool she is, Mm -hmm. how heartfelt and sincere she is. And really she's someone that, you know, we're proud to interview. You know, she's done so many great things. Her family, we love Laird. We love, he doesn't know it. <laughs> like, no one does. He knows love, now. He knows now. And we also love, love Laird Superfood mm-hmm. really badly, deeply. Something Lindsay and I have been using for years. years. I spoon feed myself. Yeah. Laird Superfood cream. You're not supposed to spoon feed yourself. You're not supposed to, but I do it. So I'm um, just excited about this one. You guys are going to be so inspired. Um, please send it to a friend or someone in your life that needs a little boost or you think would resonate with this message or Gabby or any of the things that she stands for. Yeah, you can connect with Gabby uh, at GabrielleReese.com on Instagram, Gabrielle Reese and her podcast, The Gabby Reese Show. She's just, I mean, she's a legend. She's an athlete. She's a leader. She's an author. She's a wife and mother. She's an entrepreneur. And um, I just loved how dynamic this conversation was. So fun. Uh, And for everyone, you know, in our Almost 30 community, just a reminder, we have resources for you, whatever you're going through. Uh, you can visit shopalmost30.com. We yep. have courses and downloadables. One of my favorite ones is the human design course. We have a yes. two-hour course with Jenna Zoe on human design in there. And then also one of the really popular ones is the dream bundle. So we have two PDF guides in there for you to help manifest your dream career and your dream day. So those are some good ones in the shop. Shopalmost30.com. We actually have videos now on YouTube. So if you want to see all of these people's beautiful faces, you can go to youtube.com slash almost 30 podcast to see the video. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we will see you on the other side. Yeah. We love you. Man, if you would have told me, you know, 2015, 2014, that I'd be interviewing you, it would be something I would never believe. Um, When you went on Tim Ferriss, you know, a few years ago, a couple years ago, and you talked about going first, I wrote a blog Mm -hmm. post about it on my blog many, many moons ago. And it's something I, I truly think about very often. I think about 
very frequently when I'm in that mode of sometimes not wanting to be the one that goes first or sometimes resisting or just not wanting to always feel like I bear the burden of like doing the first thing. So I would love to just begin in talking about that. I mean, you are a woman that has so much history, has done so many things. You have a beautiful family, you have a beautiful career. And I think during our conversation, there's lots of points that Lindsay and I want to touch on related to um, motherhood, family, um, your evolution, and just the way you show up in the world. But I would love to start with talking about, you know, the impetus behind Go First. I think Go First, it comes from a series of events in my life. And quite frankly, one of them being very tall. You know, I was done growing uh, at 15. So I was six foot three and being a female, um, but sort of with this size. And maybe the truth of the matter is maybe, and I grew up in the Caribbean. So also you were raised good morning, good afternoon. You were raised with that. And so I think though, if I took it a step further, it was also probably for me to make it comfortable, to make myself comfortable. And I think that rather than walking into a space, let's say as a larger female, which you you learn as you get older, like everything, it's not a big deal, but everything's a big deal when you're younger. Right. Coupled with the I think I have a very strong innate desire to connect with people. It just feels more comfortable than, than other. Right. And so I think I learned, I was allowed to move freely into people's spaces. One, because I am a female, you know, we have a rite of passage in a certain way, easier than men. They have to move maybe socially in a more respectful round soft way obviously the dynamic you know each scenario is different but for women it's okay to greet a male or a female directly i think and so i think for me it started with i'm going to break the tension i'm not going to let my size or physical create a space between me and another person that gets awkward that i won't know how to penetrate later so i'm going to just come in and and connect with whoever I'm sharing space with. And so it started from there. And then what you start to realize is like, it's the only way to be because if you're gonna walk through the world and be around people, I think it's really essential, even if it's for like 15, 30 seconds to just connect and and go on with your day. And um, it makes people feel good, but it makes us feel good. Like if you go to a mm-hmm. store and you check out, well, try this for, One, if you go to check out at a grocery store, and I know it's weird with a mask and everything now, but if you say to someone, oh, hey, when you walk up, it's your turn. How are you today? 35% of them will say, what was that? Uh Uh-huh, so true. And I I go, how are you today? And so it's even seeing, I asked a little kid that the other day, I go, hey, how's it going? What? (laughs) Is like, (laughs) like, like, yep. how are you? Yeah, it shocks and, um, us. <laughs> and so uh, that's really how it started. And then it started with, if it felt easy enough to do in my practice, that I could take that onus or that burden off of someone else. I have a really good friend named James. And what he figured out that if he shows up and he smiles and he's in a pretty good space, when you see him, you release serotonin. So James is so smart that wherever he goes, People are excited to see James. And uh, I have one daughter that if I said to her, hey, if you use your manners, it makes other people feel really good. And I have another daughter that I say, your life will be better if you're kind to people. 
So however you want to look at it. Mm. I, th- I think we take for granted the effect that we have on people, mm-hmm. even just in passing. And um, yeah, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, actually. And it got me thinking about, you know, as we're navigating and even just in passing with people, with strangers, even briefly seeing friends, just thinking about like, what permission can I give them today? Because I think we're all seeking permission in some way or another to be creative, to be loud and expressive to, you know, whatever that is. So I just, that made me, that made me think of it. Was there ever a moment or was there a moment that you remember when, you know, you really felt that either you gave someone permission or maybe someone gave you permission that just kind of like turned a light switch on? I think for me, it's it's always been like coaches mm. probably who really t- talked to me or touched me that way because the permission really comes from trying to create an environment where someone can get their own personal confidence. You know, I mean, I'm listening to this very interesting book that's based on Adlerian, Alfred Adler's psychology. It is mm. called The Courage to Be Disliked. Wow. And what they what they really talk about even is horizontal relationships versus vertical relationships. Mm. So even with our children, for example, if my daughter comes in and helps me cook, if I say, hey, great job, uh, that's a vertical relationship. I'm the expert. I've told you good job. And versus creating horizontal. So when you have a coach that knows how to give you responsibility, but asks you for personal accountability and all of these things, what you're instilling in a person is real confidence. Right. And so they could, a coach could say to me, that's the way to execute that play versus well done. Mm. Because if, if you are saying good job to somebody, mm. what you're doing is now you're the yardstick for was that good? Mm-hmm. Is this good? Or as they go through their life looking for a peer or someone to go, nice work. But if you say thank you or that, may, that really was incredible what you're doing is you're instilling confidence in them to then do whatever the it is. Mm. So in this case, for most of us, it is a creative expression. All things are a form of a creative expression. So I think I've had coaches that really were about showing up, my college coach, because uh, I think they go part and parcel. It's about telling someone the truth. And that means, hey, you have to be honest with me. And if you say you're going to do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to let you know when you haven't done that. But conversely, what you're doing in, with someone is you're also instilling a great deal of confidence to go off and do the wh- whichever thing. That was really important. What another one that was super important for me, my coach in college said to me once, and I, I didn't understand it really until later because imagine I was like 18 or 19. She said, listen, I have 12 people on a team. Give or take, I mean, six are on the floor, eight probably play, four maybe unhappy, Uh, you know, there's a lot of dynamics. And she said, so what I do is because I'm in charge of creating the best situation possible. So let's say you're a boss and I'm going to do that really responsibly. So that means with no ego, with the real intent in place, you know, the real stuff. And she goes, and then I know once I've made my choices, I know at least one person will be happy. And she's like me. And I think especially for women, it's important to take away the yardsticks, the measuring sticks of, yep. you know, that approval 
It's about not being the victim in any of the scenarios, being really accountable and saying it's not the way I want it because I'm not doing the things to make it that way. And then conversely, being willing to say it's uncomfortable and I'm going to do what I think is really right. And by the way, it's impossible to make everybody happy. And so another person that's taught me a lot was a woman named Byron Katie. And uh, I recently had a conflict like in the last year with a very old and close friend of mine. And I wanted to make it smooth and right. We do that, right? I want to be the good guy. We want to go out smelling like roses. And I thought about it. And besides like, okay, if you can apologize or say, hey, would you like to talk about it? You got to do the stuff you can do. And then after that, if the person doesn't want to do that, if they want to stay angry or they are mad or they can't get on with it, she's like, why do you have to be in charge of their feelings? I'm sorry. Okay, you're mad. Or or even worse for us, oh, you don't like me. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it's it's not about necessarily just giving someone permission. It's trying to let shine light in corners of the room to get them to identify how they grab that power because then it's their power. So I've had those kind of mentors that I'm still seeking now to, to do it better. Yeah, that's major. And I think it's interesting. And I wonder if you see a parallel to it between, you know, the coaches that you had throughout your life that were so impactful for you that helped you see, you know, your own confidence in the darkest times. What have you applied to to motherhood in that space? Like how has that made you a better mother? It probably hasn't. (laughs) That's that's not true. That's literally that's literally so not true. Listen, if you want How hard is it being a mom? Honestly. We're not moms. Girls. Well, listen, if you're if you're really showing up, okay, mm-hmm. and you're not trying to control the situation, it's I don't know up. what that's like. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know it's. Believe me, I understand. Uh, you know, like like I, I mentioned Katie earlier. Here, here's an analogy for that. So I grew up in a pretty tough way, and I discovered a hammer, and I used the hammer, and I was really good with the hammer. Like I could hammer it out, hammer it down, hammer it through show up, work harder than everybody, just hammer, you know? And then she's like, and then you get into a relationship or parenting and, oh, you're going to wash the windows. Are you washing, you know, the windows with your hammer? You're not. You're developing new skills. And when you hear people talk about surrendering, I think uh, if we don't have the way, I certainly did not have the way to learn how to surrender on your own. There are people who are better at it than others. I'm not like maybe people are attracted to yoga and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Like I'm (laughs) going to shove everything together. I'm going to will it. And then you have kids and when they're little, you start to get a taste of it. Mm. And I think once they become either preteen or teenager and you got to go through some stuff, you realize that that you're not going to get it right. Like that's part of the formula in parenting. And that that's the opportunity. It, your kid is is going to kind of do their, they're going to grow up. But what's so cool is it becomes another opportunity for you as a supposedly fully formed adult who thinks you have some sense of what's going on to go, oh, here we go again. And almost re-loop it, restart it, but around something that's so uncomfortable. And so you either say, I'm going to seize this moment for these next chapters of my life or i'm going to sh- i'm going to 
because I'm too afraid and it's too uncomfortable and it's too painful. I'm not going to take the invitation. And so parenting is hard, but if you, if you're honest, if you surrender, um, I think if you are, you know, willing to try to listen, I think anyone can, you can get through it. And I think our kids really appreciate that. It's very humbling, but it's such, again, as for an adult person, this is the next best opportunity to expand as a human being. Mm. When I think about parenting, I just think the first thing that comes to mind is that, that it is just such a strong identity. So that when you have, you know, your first child or, you know, you have kids that, you, you know, maybe your spouse had before and you just take on this new identity. And I think, you know, to you specifically, like you've had so many identities, like as a professional athlete, as a mother, as a wife, as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, you know, like there's so many. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like what, what it's been like to let some identities die, to take mm -hmm. on new ones, mm -hmm. to move through new ones with, with, with Laird, like to be yeah. in partnership, your new identities. So I'd love to mm -hmm. unpack that. You know, for anyone listening, I would say this first and foremost, and I actually had this conversation with my 16 year old, a different version of it today. Mm -hmm. I was taking her, she, she plays tennis and I was taking her to practice. And, you know, I felt like she wasted some time yesterday. And she has sort of made this proclamation of wanting to, um, you know, do this training and do this way, her pro proclamation, not mine for her. Okay. And I said, listen, you're going to have to really learn how to defend your real estate in life. You always have a friend that needs you. You're always going to have a partner that has something. And so men do it more organically. Um, women, if you want to step into now the idea of motherhood, you have to hold a piece of real estate that is always yours. And it's actually not even included. It's not even inclusive of your identity as a female. It's just you, the person who's, there's no age attached to it, right? It's your spirit. It's your dreams. It's all of those things about you that are, are, are ident they're not connected to an identity. They're not connected to a gender or an age. And so, I've always been really good at that. Uh, I think coming from sports and using my physical practice, my self-care practice as the way that I hold on to my real estate. So when I had a new, new baby, even if I had 12 minutes, it was like to train or do whatever. I was serious about the 12 minutes because I know that if I get eaten alive by Laird or my children or my profession, I will be. I will hate everyone. I will blame them, even though it would be my fault and also the nature of the situation. And so that I'm responsible to, a lot of times we don't know things until after. I knew before. I, I just knew like, hey, I want to serve my family at the highest level I really do. Like I want to serve these people. This is why I'm doing this. However, I have to do it still with enough self you know, selfishness and self-protectiveness. So that starts there. That's number one. And number two is thinking that anyone or anything, any job or any person will ever fill you, fulfill you, make you happy is total garbage. It's total garbage. 
Nobody's coming on a white horse and nobody's dropping off like a bunch of cash on a truck. And if they do, it's still not the answer. So I think it's still always asking yourself that spirit, not the, just the girl, the woman, but also that spirit. Like, what do you want? Like, do you want to connect with people? Do you want to like dive into your profession? There's no right and wrong, but it's just being clear to know yourself well enough to understand what direction am I going in? Because no one can answer that for you. And also don't, you don't, there's no, don't buy a bill of goods. Like, listen, I'm married weirdly for decent, like this year I'll be with her 25 years at the end of the year. I've been married almost 23 years. I have children. None of this was a plan. And it's a way, by the way. And when I got married, I didn't say to my single friends, you should get married. And when I had one kid, I didn't say to my friends, you should have a kid. Like if you want to go out in the world and kick ass and be a professional and that's what you're doing and you have your weekends free, rock on, like do it, right? Like whatever it is, if you want to be in a relationship and never be married and never have kids, great, do that. Like it doesn't matter. It's getting clear with yourself, shutting out the noise, your parents, your friends, and just saying, what's going to make me feel good? Because I'm going to have to work hard. So what do I want to work hard at? And then everything else in your life, all the next chapters, you check in, right? Like you keep checking in, like you check in all the time, but then also you live in reality, like, oh, I'm this age, now I'm that age. And your life will reflect you and the natural doors and changes will arise if that's consistent. And where we get into trouble is when we're not clear with ourselves. So now the people close to us, it's unclear. And then all of the direction and the real and the like the mileage that we're covering is actually not reflective of where we're really wanting to go. And so, you know, you could take my my professional list of things I've done and think, oh wow, she seems really like smart and organized the way that all unfolded. And that's actually has nothing to do with it. That's just a reflection of me staying to the best of my ability as connected to myself. And that all that stuff was born out of that. Mm, that is super powerful. On that, I'd love to talk about your spiritual journey. For someone that is so successful, you must have such a deep connection to spirit. Were you always spiritual? Did you always have a connection to that self? Or did you cultivate that? Did you have a spiritual awakening? I'd love to talk about that. You know, I think for me, um, I ended up living with a couple in New York when I was two. And then I, my father died when I was five. I wasn't living with my parents when that happened. I moved back in with my mom when I was seven. And I was, I felt pretty alone. Mm. And so I think what I did early was I, I understood that for whatever reason, I, I couldn't trust, not the couple that took care of me. I did really trust them, but I wasn't going to really, uh, forego my point of view, even at seven or eight to the adults around me. I already knew. So I was looking for my own truth. So I wasn't confused, but which by the way is a great skill then. And that's something I had to really work hard to also let go of a little bit gets a little uh, not, you know, intense. So it's sort of really saying, well, what really feels good to me? What feels like the truth? What am I looking at? And the other thing is I think growing up that way is I didn't by stuff, things, uh, labels, awards, money, because I was so interested in security, homeostasis. 
I was always like, oh, homeostasis. So I think for me, what was great was like, I was into having very good relationships with people because that is genuinely how I survived. I had people step in my life, whether it was Narendra and Joe who raised me or coaches or friends of the family. And that's why I could pull it, those relationships. And then I really enjoyed the calm, the peace. So I, I think it was an ongoing. When I was a junior, I got put into a Christian school. I was never in organized religion. And what I experienced there was the idea of practicing sort of a universal law, which would mean tell the truth, don't hurt people. You would call it karma. But also it's not for me to put rules on others, you know, that confining part of religion, but more of like, hey, maybe this will give me a better capacity to be more understanding, more loving. So I, I think it came from that pretty much. And, and listen, being married to somebody who is spiritual in that way and spends a lot of time in mother nature. I walked outside the other day and Laird was sitting <laughs> outside and I, he's up before all of us. Your and, face. I sat, and, and I sat down next to him and he's like, sitting by a plant. This is like a pretty rough and gruff in a certain way person. And he's sitting by this plant because he likes to look at the sun when it right. Yeah. It's called solar gazing. Yep. And he's like, yeah, I was just listening to the bees. And it's not like I wear cotton and I'm ohm all the time. This is like a very like guy. So when they says that to you, you kind of can take it because it's not really woo woo. And I all of a sudden I was sitting there and I could hear the bees and the plant behind them. And so I think that there's little uh, sort of safeguards in my life because I could definitely go down a rabbit hole of like accomplish, list, get stuff done. And he's a person who really balances me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see that. It's beautiful. You know, just even from like an observer perspective, the way that you guys balance each other and interviews that I've listened to about you speaking about your relationship has been just beautiful and powerful and inspirational, especially for someone, you know, when you talk about how you're more in the masculine, you know, at times, just giving other women permission, you know, to show up as themselves if they are that part of the relationship and to like be seen in that way. And it's okay. Okay. So yeah, I want yeah. to thank you for that. It's it's really beautiful. I love what you said about the peace and the calm um, and really valuing that. And it's just so interesting where I, I feel like I'm only now like in my 30s understanding that that is the secret sauce to so many of the go, go, go accomplishments, you know, accolades that I want to attain. It is finding that peace and calm. I'm wondering, you know, did you, did you find that early on as an athlete was one of like the very important tools or how did you cultivate that? And then how do you find that now in your day to day? Well, I, first of all, I want to, I really want to uh, acknowledge something that your you guys and your entire group have to deal with that I never had to deal with. I was a f young adult, 23 or 24 years old until I got a telephone and I didn't have 2007 and eight is social media. So I was 37 or eight years old at that time. So you guys have to also contend with something and battle something I didn't. So bully for me that I can make it sound easy, but what you guys and your generations are dealing with is something to manage. So I think that that needs to be acknowledged because I think it needs an extra layer 
or an extra strategy than even certainly what I had to navigate. And I think that's really important. And I don't know what the solution is. Like it's not going anywhere. And I think it's really so much more impactful. And I know we all know the science on it and we all know all of it, but I think it is changing us as human beings. And so again, a lot easier for someone like Laird and I to take the path. And you guys have this new X factor that is heavy. That's, it's, you know, it's almost like, are you going to live in the world or out of that world? And, and if, if you're in, how do you manage it? Because it's that clear of a differentiating, you know, marker. So, you know, listen, I, I learned a lot through, through sport and through, I was around people that were really, I was around no one who was successful when I was young and then pretty much. And then I was around a lot of people who were successful, like by the time I was 18 or 19. So whether I was modeling and then I became a professional athlete and I realized that wasn't the answer either. So as far as like that homeostasis or that piece, it was like, oh, okay, those are not the answers. I see it in front of me clear as day. Being, you know, uber beautiful or wealthy or people knowing you. So I, I never bit into that apple. I never bought it for whatever reason. And I think part of it was growing up in the Caribbean. I think you just, it's just a different deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got to avoid a, wasting a lot of time on that. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Someone for your podcast, maybe, um, have you heard of Cal Newport? Do you know Cal Newport? He does um, yeah. digital minimalism. Um, yeah. And he talks a lot about the relationship with technology and how it's just rewiring our brain in so many different ways and just an excellent person in interview. But that was actually something I wanted to bring up that you basically did, you know, already was in your conversation with Joe Rogan when you talked about, you know, raising girls in the mm. social media you know, landscape of today. And I could only imagine, you know, what that feels like, because I know what it feels like for me and my community. What, yeah. is, what are some ways in which you're having the conversation about that with them? You know, the, re- the truth of it is, is we're in the experiment phase. So Laird and I had children. So Bella was, t- is who's now 25. She'll be, uh, will be 25 in a month. Um, she, so this is my stepdaughter. She was four months old when I met Laird. Okay. So when she was a tween, it was my space. And that was sort of like, okay, the edge of it, whatever. My 16-year-old who was born in 2003, uh, we are the parents who have the experimental children. So we, don't, we didn't get a rule book. You guys will have more of a rule book if you choose to have children. And when I say we're flying by the seat of our pants and we fail at putting up the boundaries. And I see the difference even between my 12-year-old TikTok and my 16-year-old who has a different point of view and maybe a little more discernment, even in their personalities. The, there's a, a tenseness with the younger group and also a detachment that uh, I'm seeing. So it's interesting. I was just talking uh, to my daughter, my middle the 16 year old about it when we were today, when we were driving and I was like, I wonder if like, we're going to have to like do a two year thing where we somehow pull the plug and let this kid develop her brain so she can get reinserted with a different point of view. Because to be honest, I don't know what else to do. And everyone can go, I put hours, yeah, right. I put limits. It's all BS. It's like, yeah, they'll it's find a way. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my kid could turn like, 
I have stuff in my house. I didn't know it was a device. <laughs> <laughs> like the toaster can send a text. I'm sure of it. 100%. You know? like, Did I raise a genius? I mean, that, yeah, that conversation. And I don't even, you know, when we're having kids, what, what that's going to be like. But it, 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 it's just such another bizarre thing about the way that we exist in the world that we know these things, but we still continue to engage in it in mm-hmm. such a a deep level, you know, that we know it rewires our brain, that when your brain is developing, it now seeks, you know, the dopamine hit frequently. It now is becoming addicted more frequently. It now is defining itself based on the social measures that it's, you know, that we have against it. And I, I wouldn't know what to do. So yeah, I really honor that in the in the way in which you're having the conversation about it within your family. Yeah, we're just honest. You know, if it was Laird, he would just take everything and run it over with his truck. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, listen, that's not, I'm the mom. So yeah. moms have a little, like, I'm like, okay, that's cute, but that's not realistic. And and um, some, I heard a, a great uh, science bit on this, which we all know, which is, so when you go for a run, let's say, um, or you and I are talking, you guys are talking and you're eye to eye, your body releases serotonin. It takes longer. You can't buy it. Like if you buy a cute bag, it's dopamine. It's not serotonin, right? So serotonin happens over a longer period of time. You, I, I don't want to say you have to earn it, but it's sort of like in real time. Yeah. Okay. Now, dopamine is like, oh, I ate that donut. I bought that cute <laughs> bag. I got that like, yeah. whatever. Okay. So serotonin is connected to happiness. There's only one thing that blocks your body's ability to make serotonin and it's dopamine. Mm. So when kids are going around all day long and banging their dopamine button because they're on their device and then they're more unhappy and miserable, it's because they can't actually produce serotonin. There's a doctor, uh, Dr. Robert Lustig, who wrote a had a great lecture called, I believe it was The Bitter Truth. And he's an endocrinologist and he talks all about it. And so I think it's really important for people to go, well, I mean, they have everything and their their life is so good and what's wrong? It's like, oh no, they're battling chemistry also. You know, and and for us adults to understand that, like to really be able to sometimes jump out of ourselves and look back and go, let me, let me see what's going on with me and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. It reminds us that we're like Ooh. animals in a way. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're, you know, like primal. Well, yeah, that's primal. the other thing, the mm-hmm. biology. Yes. I, I think that's been a thing for Laird and I. Like, I'm so connected to the idea of biology because I think it's really important to be clear. For example, I'm 50. So, um, you, you know, you go through phases of life and then you become middle-aged, which is what I am. And then you see very young, like, let's say you see 15, 16, 20, whatever, 25. And you realize hundred percent they're that way. And they're meant to look that way and be that way because they are biologically signaling partners. And so, you know, even for me, like going through life, it's like, I want to be healthy. I want to have vitality, but it's like surrendering certain things to nature Mm -hmm. because it's like, Hey, I don't need those certain signals anymore. Yes, they're beautiful and it's shiny and I can appreciate it in other females. But sometimes when we have a big enough conversation with biology and where we are now, it also helps us understand ourselves and other people and even and even what they're going through. So I think it's really important because we we don't talk enough about biology. We try to ignore it. And yet these are some these are impulses. 
they're, they're there. And so I feel like sometimes the more we can understand it, the better. Yeah, I would love to talk about that more. Just this, the idea of of staying young biologically. So whether it's you know your diet, your lifestyle, etc. But then also, like you just said, surrendering to that like quote unquote aging gracefully. You know, mm-hmm. and and I'd love to I'd love to hear like your your feelings on that. Being someone who is in the spotlight, who is someone who is known, you're on social media, you have a podcast, books, speaking. Like, so I'm just curious what effect that has had on you. I feel your very strong boundaries and knowing, mm-hmm. but I also know you're human. Oh, totally. I would never try to fake that because it's also not liberating. I think being honest about how you feel. Uh, good and bad is is super liberating and important. So it's this for me, because when I was younger, I didn't attach all my value to my appearance. Did I understand it was a card in the deck to play, to use in my business and all that? Yeah. I'm not going to ever pretend I, I wasn't navigating it. However, I didn't internally place my value on it. Um, I grew up with a really beautiful mother, which is very important because you learn a lot when you see what people use their beauty. First of all, it has a very short shelf life. (laughs) I don't think so, honey. You are still, I mean, like a vision. But but I'm saying like, the ability to use it. If we're being really serious and like, I'm in my, this is like my business side, my other side that it's like, okay, let's be serious. So I'm not into the short story. I'm into the long game. I've always been into the long game. Do all the things for the long game. And and if you have been given, you know, nice hair, boobs or whatever, just say thanks. But that is not your value. The ultimate is what is your contribution? What do you want to contribute? So, you know, it's developing that point of view. And again, it goes back to that checking in with yourself with saying, hey, you know what? Like I'm interested in the environment, for example. I don't really want to farm. Like my friends are like, I have my farm in the, my garden. I'm like, awesome. I, I, I totally believe the value of it, but I know I can give other things in other ways. Okay. So I think it's, it's first of all, taking advantage of every moment so that when you move through that phase of your life, you're like, I did that pretty good. Moving on. It's taking care of yourself. Got to take care of yourself. You got to get to bed. Every, you know, it's just, it's all the obvious stuff. And then it's, it's sort of realizing that it is what it is. And life, if you are, have the good fortune of living long enough, you will be what's considered older. So why do you want to fight that? That is, and that reeks, right? It's like reeks of somebody who wants to get married, mm. reeks of anything, anytime desperation of any kind, it reeks. Yeah. Right. Totally. So for me, it's just, it's been about really self-care, taking care of myself. I will tell you this, and this has been a gift to me, being loved by somebody a long time, I think has been helpful because I'm, and and again, maybe it's my size. I haven't always, I don't need a lot of attention. Like I'm not a flirtatious person. I never have been. However, it is nice when the one person I am in a real relationship with directs intense affection and love, not long periods of time, but when Laird looks, it's like, I see him seeing me. Mm. The fact that he demonstrates desire that does, you know, help. It's nice. Mm -hmm. And people can go, you shouldn't need that. 
I get it. But if you're in a relationship, it's nice to give love and be loved and to feel wanted. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, and so I think that has been very helpful. But having said that, if I was single, I would have, I, I would have done all the things I could do to fulfill myself. And one thing I know for sure, a part of that is actually weirdly service. Never are we more beautiful ever than when we're giving. And I think we feel that way. And I think the people around us respond. And that isn't the reason to do it. The point is, is that if we can't draw the direct line of service and happiness and all of these things, I think we're missing the point. If we think, you know, there's an interesting new standard of beauty. There just is. I mean, like even me, I show up to places and I can be at work and I, I don't wear a ton of makeup, but that's also my generation. You know, it's like nails are perfect, skin is perfect, eyebrows are perfect, everything is perfect. And that's cool. It's just a lot of pressure. And it's a lot of attention that could be going into building something. And and I, I use Oprah Winfrey as, as a great example. So if you were at the table and uh, I don't know, I mean, I love Giselle Bündchen, so it'd be hard to use her as an ex- someone like, okay, let's say the Hadid sisters. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're sitting at the dinner table and there's Oprah on the other side. Who do you want to sit next to? Mm-hmm. You want to sit next to the boss lady. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I, I've said like, now that I'm out of like the time of making children and like, like the guys that work with me on XPT who are in their thirties, do they want to sleep with me? <laughs> no, they don't want to sleep with me. You don't know that. I don't know. We don't know. No, but what I'm saying <laughs> is like, I, feel I don't you. care. I want, I, feel I, you. Want, I want to like, I want to own shit. Yeah, I want to yeah. like, I want to say like, Hey, can we do this? So it's, it's like a different time in your life. It goes back to the biology. This time was for learning and procreating and doing this and all that. And then it, we move. And, and if we move gracefully, it not only feels good, it's less hard on us. Then we get to enjoy exactly where we really are and not pining for the days that mm-hmm. I had no fine lines. You know, it's like, that's the whole thing to get that the sense of power and stillness that is very hard to get in your teens and 20s. Yes, especially with the phone, throw a phone in there and you're like done for. I think that there's such a power of your presence with so much. It's like the go first essentially for me is a welcoming an invitation to presence. You know, the ability to honor how you feel is an invitation to presence. And so much of your ability to let yourself evolve and grow in age is an honoring of presence in the present moment. And I know it seems kind of trite, but I do want to talk about your self-care routine. You know, I think mm-hmm. it, for us, sometimes we're like, yeah, we have to do other things, you know, but I really do believe believe that it's so important that people can see like what kind of self-care you're doing to Mm -hmm. just live the life that you do. Well, for one, and I know, I don't mean this, like if you have, like if people consume alcohol on a regular basis that it's, I don't drink honey. Yeah. But my entire adult life, I, I never, I grew up in a culture where people drank a lot Mm -hmm. and it's not a good, I mean, in the end, it's not a good look. So I've never really done that. You know, I've been in the sun a ton, you know, but I've always tried to somewhat protect myself and I don't overcomplicate it. Like, okay, microdermabrasion. I started at 30. I've tried Botox twice. You know, I use a skincare called Radical. Okay. Mm. It's really good. It's like, see, this is the other thing. Girls should look out for skincares that are white unless the ingredients are really identified. Cause that just means that's the base and it's a cold cream base. 
if your skincare looks like mud and looks like other things, it's probably better for you. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and I know things like, oh, it smells so good. Yes. But at some point, maybe not so much. Uh, So it's things like that, but it's really supplementation, right? So I take it, I just got turned on to an herb that all of you should be taking called Shatavari, which helps with moisture, S-H-A-T-A-V-A-R-I. You can get it in a tincture and a powder. The tincture Mm. will be easier. We need Gabby Ray's supplements, honey. Well, this is so if you say to me external, internal, I'm gonna tell you it's internal. So fish oils for your menstrual cycles, you Mm -hmm. should have it anyway, good for your skin. Shadavari, maybe ashwagandha, things like that for your hormones, making sure you're hydrated. The other thing that I want to share with your audience that I just learned about, and I, I still have my menstrual cycle, but if I'd known sooner, there's a woman named Melissa Vitti that she wrote a you know woman code in the flow. Mm-hmm. Your friend. She has macro and micronutrients <laughs> that you guys could take to make this a little of it, you know, make your periods, your menstrual cycles a little easier. And um, I even heard my friend was telling me that her boyfriend has the app and he gets mm-hmm. the information about her period. It's genius. See, my husband's a pro. He knows already. He's like, okay, I see what's happening. <laughs> but I just think for people of your age, this is where technology is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Why not utilize it, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, using it, knowing when you're, uh, you know, ovulating and what have you. So I think the notion of my, making sure, like if people really wanted to say one time, get your blood work done, see what's going on. What do you need to add? Um, the let, and for me, less has always been more. So if I get sick, I'm sick. I don't go like, Oh, I'm going to go do a big round of, uh, you know, antibiotics or something if I don't have to. So I've never really been into stuff like that. And listen, sleep, there's nothing I think better on your age than trying to find the ways to manage your, the way you manage stress. Mm. Everyone is different. We all have stress, but I think stress, and obviously it's not a unique thought. It kicks your ass if you want to talk about aging in a real, real way. So it's just, I I think I've always been decent at it. And also I probably lie a little. (laughs) I probably do lie. Like sometimes you're like, oh, she's managing so much. And then I worry that it's going to show up like in 10 years as like some real chronic health thing. So um, I I try to like do that. And, And just having is you know, clearing the decks or getting everything swept out and having those conversations all the time. I live, my partner is somebody who's very, in a healthful way, confrontational. So there's not a lot of packing away of feelings. And that's been really helpful to have safe places to say how I'm really feeling because it's teaching people, this is how I'm feeling. I'm not saying it's right. I just feel this way. I feel bumpy. I'm, I'm scared. I'm unsure. I'm jealous. I'm whatever I am. And just having that space to, to sell somebody safely and then, you know, getting on with it. I think that I've always had that. I've had that luxury and that's probably helped with aging. So yes, exercise, but diet's number one. Let's not pretend. So if you're listening to this and you go staying in shape, it's food. It's the number one. And there's just no way around it. And then regular, doesn't have to be crazy exercise. I mean, I exercise rigorously, but that comes from my background. Just move regularly. Mm -hmm. In terms of food, is there something that you have in your diet daily that you just can't live without? Superfood creamer, baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which I fucking am obsessed with. Oh, my God. I mean, for years. We've been on that shit for years. (laughs) I am... 
Oh, well, I do have that. Laird, you know what Laird does in the morning is he has all the ingredients in a cup for me. And so when I come down in the morning, I just hit the double shot I mean, on the machine. That, if that ain't love. I know. It's really nice. I think uh, we call that adult uh, marriage foreplay, but yes. that and emptying <laughs> the, the dishwasher. I'm just like, oh. Sweetie, you know, I just avoid, I, I avoid the, the naughty oils. So I keep yeah. it to avocado oil, olive oil and coconut oil. Yeah. And I just try to avoid uh, any, the other stuff. And the problem is even on the healthy, healthful snacks, you're going to see certain oil, the vegetable oils that um, I think in time, I wanted to make a t-shirt, excuse my mouth, but I wanted to say, don't fuck with my mitochondria. Like in time, <laughs> I think age has to do with really the compounding of these bad habits. Yeah. yeah. So if people could just sort of more often than not, and now what's so great again for you guys is there's really great food that tastes great and it's out there. Um, I don't, I, I do eat animal protein. I try to eat high quality, you know, hunted as much as possible. I think everything in moderation, even that, because I think when you get wound up about that, then you've created a whole other beast. So I think it's about being relaxed. But let's say someone's at a position and they go, listen, I'm so frustrated. I really want, I have this extra whatever pounds and I can't, I've tried everything. It's get your blood work done. Let's find out. Let's go inside. Let's see what's happening. Maybe be gnarly for two months. Say, okay, I'm going to be either, I'm going to you know, fast for sure once a week for two months. And I'm going to really stay on top of it to see if I can't really make this change. And if they're not making the change, then it's time to go talk to somebody. It's, tr it's time to go and say, Hey, maybe I have some pain or something going on that I can't release this and give yourself a break and find somebody that maybe can help you navigate that. Because I think that that ends up being as real from what mm. I've seen as like, I eat too many chips. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just a thing. And we live in a hard world. I think that's the other thing is like giving ourselves a break, even though we do want to hold ourselves accountable, but giving ourselves a break and saying, this is a really unnatural world that we live in. Going back to that biology, what do I have to offload so that I can go through this next chapter, this adult life, maybe as easily as possible? Because it's tough. It is, it's, it's a, it's a really tough thing. And, and again, I wish I could support in some ways your generation even more because I really empathize with the waters that you navigate, even the confusion on like the male, female, and, you know, can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? Can I tell you look pretty? Can I tell you you look pretty? You know, guys even being shamed into being masculine. It's like all this weird stuff that we didn't have to deal with. Mm. You know. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'll take oh, that. It's true. Yeah. I'll take it. I did. I did have my crises at thirty. There I you go, honey. That's why we're. That's why we're around. What was your crises? Oh, I left my husband. I was like, I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this bullshit. Oh yeah, powerful. You, it's that epiphany, right? Mm. Yes. Yes. In your twenties, you're kind of still like, oh, romantic and, and settling too. Yes. In your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. Well, you know what I mean. Like, kind of settling for. You don't know actually this is my experience, like what yeah. I deserved. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into my thirties, I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. yeah. I've been like settling in this area, this area, this area. And yeah. you really have to look at it. Yeah, I think so. And so I, Laird and I actually almost got divorced and uh, it wasn't his fault or, you know, it was our fault kind of thing. But also I didn't learn, I didn't learn from my family life, healthy confrontation. Mm -hmm. Same. So I didn't know how to speak up. 
and that I could have probably nipped it in the butt and said, but I thought, oh, well, when you love someone, you're just quiet and then it builds up. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, peace out. And, you know, he was the one who taught me like, hey, let's, ha- let's go, let's hash it out. And, oh, it's uncomfortable. But so now what I vowed after that was I would have a, I would have a three minute or one hour of discomfort to, you know, preserve the health and, you know, longevity of my relationship and saying like, Hey, one, that's not okay. Or two, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm seeing. But it's also the learning to articulate from love, not from reaction. And I think that that a lot of times women, we have to get worked up and then we're just, then we react versus like going back to that thing we're talking about, checking in with yourself and saying like, this seems to be coming up again and again. How do I articulate this in love, not in the moment with the intention of a solution? As long as your partner is on the same page and if they're not, you deserve that. You deserve somebody who when they bring something up, it isn't for them to be right and for you to be wrong. It's to reach a solution. Yeah, it's us against the problem rather than, you know, you versus me. Some, you know, sometimes I'll like grit through my teeth. I'm like, I love you so much. And, you know, like (laughs) making myself be in a place of love, even though it feels challenging to always be approaching confrontation with love. It's like, I mean, my, my worst thing, but it changes your life. Like, you know, in any relationship, even if I'm not exactly feeling completely in love at the time, it's like, oh. I love you. And, you know, and the approach and the, my fiance, the way he re- responds, game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Game changer. Because <laughs> it's fucking scary when like a powerful woman is like telling them what the fuck is up with power and yeah. energy. It's like, run for the hills. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they don't, they don't want a mom. Yeah. yeah. That's the damn truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I always tell wow. women. I'm like, listen, if you say, like, if you want to be with a king, let's just say, and the good attributes of a king, like a protector, someone who will take care, who's kind, who's generous, who's all these things, you better treat them like a king. And if you smash them, push them down constantly, they, they will resent you and then they will be that. Yeah. And, um, and that's not good for a lot of dimensions of your relationship, for sure. I think it's the whole thing seems like an unnatural theater anyway. And it's like some universal joke about like having people cohabitate and like do all this stuff together. Oh, truly. It's totally. <laughs> and we're still doing it. Here we are. I know. We're not even farming anymore. I know. I would have I been good on the farm. I, I feel been like a you would have. Fuck yeah, you would. Yes, yeah. huh? Yeah, that would have been like, I'm going to marry her. She's going to lift things. Yeah, literally. She'll be able to run the farm. Um, before we wrap, just want to let people, so where can they find you? Like, what can they expect from you this year? Would love for you to share all the ways in which they can learn oh. more and connect with you? I, uh, well, I have Instagram, Gabby Reese. I have a podcast called The Gabby Reese Show. Yes. And, um, you know, my thing with that podcast is I have interviewed people for a really long time, first with television in 1992. And then I actually had a podcast with Neil Strauss. And what I thought I would do now is try to show up and talk to people who are really good at whatever, something that they do, science or, you know, health or whatever, doesn't matter. And say, okay, so you're really good there. In what ways, what lessons then have you brought that back into your real everyday life to be a better person? Because what I have learned is that certain things you can kind of fake. You, If you're sort of good at something, you can hide in that. For sure. And then your whole rest of your life. But what I'm saying is, 
now that I've gone through a certain amount of years of living on the planet and been in a few experiences, I'm like, oh, wait, the really interesting stuff is... Because if you're born with a high IQ and you find your passion, bravo. But if you somehow can continue to evolve, change, learn, and improve as a human being in those very interpersonal relationships, and you used to do it one way, but now you kind of do it different, that's the stuff I want to talk about because it's messy and we're all looking for something. I mean, there's plenty of people to tell you how to run a business. That's awesome. And there's plenty of people who can to give you the things of like a champion gets out of bed at 530. And they, they make go, their I'm bed. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I've lived in a way that way my yeah. whole life. And I'm like, okay, but what about all the stuff under? Yeah. Or the stuff that life throws you that surprises you. Mm-hmm. And um, when you are scared, and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? And I just think that we can learn from each other, but also reminding people that none of us have it figured out. We're still just doing the best that we can and giving them maybe a little bit of motivation to go, okay, I can I can do it in my own life, in my own way. Because I, I really believe, and I got this from sports and I get this from community. That's how we get through it. You know, like that's how we help each other and not, hey, do it my way. How can I help you figure out how to do it your way? And that's really what I want to do. So they can find me at the Gabby Reese Show or that's it for now. We're, you know, we're busy, busy, but it's kind of funny in, in quarantine. I mean, can't imagine running Very. a business like yours. Yeah. Yeah. And with the whole fam, I mean, lots of family time for you <laughs> in quarantine. <laughs> oh, I know. But my kids are bigger. Yeah. So they're looking for, they're like, I call them and they're like, all right, go sat in my youngest daughter's room. And she's like, I just sat there with her. And she's like, why are you in here? You know, that's what they do. I can't you know? wait for that day. Oh yeah. And they're like, okay, okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I just, because my thing is with her, it's like they try to separate, but it's like, mm-hmm. but I love you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, thank, thank Okay. Fiercely love me. them no matter what. Yes. That's what gonna, well, yeah. Well, everyone thinks I was a really good parent to young children. What you learn, realize is they really need you as teenagers. Oof. They yeah, because they'll go they like look. this, but mm-hmm. like, sorry, I'm stiff arming the air. No. It's like they really, they no. they stiff arm. And I remember doing that. And really, all we need is like, and John Wineland talks about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know John Wineland, but just fiercely loving yeah. your child, no matter yeah. w- how much they fight. I can't wait to yeah. make fun of them. <laughs> can't wait to make well, fun see, of my, my kids. They're going <laughs> to. Well, you know what it is too, is got to be the adult. That's the damn truth. Ooh. Like sometimes you want to be like, why would you talk to me? And it's like, that's like, oh my God. Like, am I like your peer? It's like, oh, okay. You know, no, it's all, but I, uh, I really, like I said, commend your group. The only thing I would maybe invite the, the groups coming forward is like to give yourselves a break. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. How do you give yourselves a break? <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been talking about that. I mean, this time has really forced us to like think about that. Yeah. Because we we normally we've been on tour for the last two years, traveling, going everywhere, doing a bunch of things. And it's like now we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's also this fulfillment in the the not doing as much that allows us to focus on things that we've been wanting to do within the business, mm-hmm. within our relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really, it's such a lesson. Mm-hmm. Like what you just said, it's it's our lesson right now. So, yeah, I love that. 
How fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate this was you. Thank time. Such a good one. Thank you so much, Gabby. You can connect with her at Gabby Reese on Instagram and then her podcast, which is so incredible. It's so good. The Gabby Reese Show and her website, GabrielleReese.com. Thank you all for listening. It means a lot to us. And if you're not already following us on Instagram at Almost30Podcast, feel free to connect with us there. DM us. I'm on Instagram at Lindsay Simsick. And I'm at It's Krista. And if you'd subscribe to the show, then these come straight to you your inbox or your iTunes. It's super easy. And then send to a friend if this message resonated with you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. Bye.